Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of 2 Kings chapter number 4. The book of 2 Kings chapter number 4 this morning. Normally do not read this much scripture, but I need to read the story this morning, so bear with me and pay attention, because I'm not going to read it afterwards, all right? So you need to know the story. 2 Kings chapter number 4, going to begin reading with verse number 8. The Bible says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, for there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn him there to eat some food. Kind of like a preacher, huh? Invite him once, he's coming back. (laughs) She said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall. and Let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be, whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there happened one day that he came there, and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. So he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said, uh, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, actually she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said to her, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. She said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. That's what us men do when our kids are sick. We turn them over to to the mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon or the Sabbath. She said, It is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? She answered, It is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But but Gehazi came near to push her away. The man of God said, let her alone. 
for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, the child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi, and he said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came into him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. This morning I want to use for my subject today, turning trials into triumph. Father, I just come to you today in the name of of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I just pray today for those that that, that are in this house today, that are are going through a a very difficult and traumatic uh, experience and time in their life. God, I pray today that you will use the word of the Lord today to to inspire them and to challenge them that by faith and through your help and through your grace and through your power today, they too can turn their trial into triumph. All for the glory of God we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, as I was reading the story about Elisha and the woman from, from Shunem in my daily Bible reading this past week, four thoughts came quickly to me. And I believe that these four thoughts will prove to be an encouragement to somebody, hopefully several somebodies in this room today. So if you're going through a trial of some kind, listen up. The woman from Shunem in our story will will teach us how to turn trials into triumph. I want to notice the first thing that I see in our story today. And that is, number one this morning, God places people in our lives to bless us. God places people in our lives to bless us. Now, we know that Elisha was a prophet. And as a prophet, he had to go from this place to that place to the other place to do his ministry. Now, Shunem was one of Elisha's regular stops. Uh, Often he passed through Shunem. Often as he was going somewhere else, he would would stop uh, at Shunem uh, and rest and refresh. 
The Bible says, we read about it, a woman there who recognized Elisha as a man of God. And she recognized his his frequent need for food and for lodging. So her and her husband, the Bible says, they, that they built a special room for Elisha in their very own home. And, and the Bible says that they, that they furnished this room with everything that Elisha would need. And every time Elisha came through Shunem, he would stop there. He would eat there. He would rest there. He would refresh himself there. He would sleep there. You see, God places people in our lives to bless us. As I look back over my ministry, every place God has taken me to, He has placed certain people in my life to bless me. Yes, He gave me a congregation full of of great and and wonderful people, but, but within that congregation, as I look back in every single place I have ever ministered, even though the church might be full, but there were certain individuals in the church that God placed there and used them to be a blessing to me. As I look back at the different stages of my ministry develop development, God placed different mentors in my life to mentor me. Now, I've been in ministry long enough uh, that we didn't call them mentors back there. We didn't have that term. But listen, it's nothing new. Let me tell you that it's been going on forever. And I can remember God placing different mentors in my life to mentor me in that particular stage of my ministry. You see, God places people in our life to bless us. The Bible says that God placed Jonathan in the life of David. The Bible says that God placed Paul in the life of young Timothy. And may I suggest that God has placed people in your life to bless you. He has placed people into your life, friend, that they may impart their wisdom into your life. Oh, God has put people in your life to provide favor for you and to open doors for you that otherwise would never be open. But God has placed that certain person in your life and given you favor with that person. And through your relationship with them, the door becomes open. God has placed people in your life to pray for you and to walk with you through the darkest hour and most difficult time of your life. It's true this morning God places people in our lives to bless us. Now, sometimes these people enter and exit our lives very quickly. And sometimes these people enter our lives and never exit. Notice the second thing that I, that, that I see in this story this morning, and that is, that is we should bless the people who have blessed us. We should bless the people who have blessed us. Elisha was very grateful to this woman from Shunem for her hospitality, and so he sought out a way that he might be a blessing to her. She had been a blessing to him, and he wanted to make sure that he, in turn, was a blessing to her. He found out that she was childless, and so he prophesied to her that she would be buying pampers within the year. And so she was. We should bless the people who have blessed us. Proverbs 3 and 27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in the power of your hand, 
to do so. Galatians 6 and 10 says, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, and especially unto them who are of the household of Now, earlier in this message, I said that God placed Jonathan in the life of David to bless him. David understood this, and David realized the blessing that Jonathan had been to him, literally saving his life. And in 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1, it says that David said, he said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul so that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And verse 7 says, so David said to Mephibosheth, don't you love that? I wonder if they called him Phibi, I don't know. (laughs) David said to Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan's sake. And he said, I will restore to you all the land of of your grandfather Saul, and you're going to eat at my table continually. You see, because of David's gratitude for all that Jonathan had done for him, David sought for a way to bless those that had blessed him. Let me ask you today, who are the people that God has placed in your life that have blessed you? Who are the people who who are responsible for who you have become? And and they're partially responsible for what what you have and, and for what you have accomplished. Who are those people? You need to understand and realize and recognize and bless those people. I love the story of the old farmer that noticed a turtle that was sitting on top of one of his fence posts. And the old farmer said to the turtle, it's quite obvious you didn't get up here all by yourself. And so it is with you this morning, and so it is with me today. We didn't get to where we are in life all by ourselves. Who are the people? Who are the people that God has placed in our lives to bless us and nurture us and equip us and encourage us? Listen, we should bless the people who have blessed us. Recently, I I was able to bless one of the one of the kids of some very dear friends that had blessed my kids in the past. The opportunity arose to do for someone else what someone else had done for my kids. Who are those people that have blessed you? Who are those people that have ministered to you? Who are those people that have joined hands with you in life and helped you? Who are those people that were there for you when you were shedding those tears? Who are those people that were there that helped you when you were in the valley? Who are those people when you were on the road and you didn't know which way to turn and they helped you make the right turn? Who are those people? God places people in our lives to bless us. We should bless the people who have blessed us. Some time ago, I called one of my early mentors. He, God had placed him and his wife in my life when I was in my late 20s and my early 30s. And what a blessing they were to me. And not Too awful long ago, I picked up the phone and I called these people that I hadn't talked to in a long, long time. And I just said, listen, and this man, this gentleman is nearly 90 years old now. 
And I called him by name and I said, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you for what you did. I just want to thank you for what you imparted into my life. Thank you for the wisdom that I gleaned. Thank you for the counsel that I received. Thank you. Thank you for all that you imparted to me when I needed it desperately. Friend, we should bless the people who have blessed us. Third thing that I see in our story today is that our blessings often turn into trials. For the woman of Shunem, her greatest blessing became her greatest burden. Her miracle son became very ill one day and actually died with his head in his mama's lap. How could this be? How could her greatest blessing suddenly become her greatest burden? But it happens sometimes. I, I don't want to be negative this morning, but let me tell you, it happens more often than it doesn't happen. We ask God to give us a mate, and then we complain because our mate isn't perfect. We ask God for a job. And then we moan and we groan when it's time to get out of bed and go to work. The people at church, oh, who have been such a blessing to us in the past, suddenly they begin to act like real people. Warts and all. And we can't handle their humanity. The truth is our blessings often turn into trials. May I tell you that Prince Charming will wake up in the morning with bad breath and bad hair just like everybody else? Because life happens. And it happens every single day. Day. Oh, God, God gives you a promotion at work. What a blessing. What a blessing. But with the blessing comes the burden of dealing with the problems and the personalities and the peculiarities and all of, the, of all of the people. One pastor said, the ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. But if it wasn't for the people, there would be no ministry. But with the blessing of the promotion comes the burden of dealing with all the problems and personalities and peculiarities of all the people who you must now lead and manage because of your promotion. God gives you children. What a blessing. But with that blessing comes the burden of raising those rugrats. The dirty diapers, the 2 a.m. feedings, the expense of schooling them and paying for their medical bills and, and seeing them grow out of, their, uh, out of their clothes before the season even changes. And then the rebellion shows up at about 13. I asked one of my men in Midland years ago, I said, what's wrong with Zach? 
He said he's, his daddy said he's 13 and can't help it. Rebellion shows up in that sweet little kid of yours about the age of 13. One mother with a couple of teenagers in her home said that that having teenagers uh, makes you understand why some animals eat their young. The truth is our blessings often turn into trials. Because life shows up on a regular basis. And life isn't perfect. But it's worth living. I said life is not worth, is not uh, perfect, but it's worth living. Truth of the matter is people will hurt you. People will disappoint you. People will become a burden to you. Let me throw that back. You hurt people. You disappoint people. And you're a burden to people. So get off of it. Amen? Yeah. Your kids will hurt you. They'll disappoint you. They'll become a burden to you. But they're worth it. Your church, your church family, they will hurt you. They will disappoint you. They will become a burden to you. Because they're people. And you're in the same church, and you hurt people, and you disappoint people, and you're a burden to people. So get off of it. Hello? Don't don't make me get direct here. (laughs) Hey, hey, your your church family will hurt you, disappoint you, become a burden, but they are worth it. Think about this woman from Shunem in our story today. She, She didn't even ask the man of God for a son. He promised her one out of gratitude for all of the hospitality she'd shown him. And no doubt this boy of hers had become the joy of her life. Oh, bringing life and laughter to her home. But suddenly, one day, seemingly out of nowhere, her greatest blessing becomes her greatest burden. Perhaps something like this has happened to you. Oh, something you prayed for. Oh, someone you prayed for. God heard your prayer and God answered your prayer. But today your blessing has turned into a trial and you just can't understand why. And maybe you're even beginning to question God and beginning to question God's fairness. You might even begin to wonder if God even cares or if God is even aware of your situation. This leads me into my final thought. The fourth thing that I see in our story today is this. Our trials can be turned into triumphs. What did the woman from Shunem do when her blessing turned into a trial? How did she react? Well, first of all, she retained positive attitude. She retained a positive 
attitude. Now, her positive attitude shows up as much in what she didn't do as in what she did do. Notice what she didn't do. First of all, she, she didn't sit down and pout. She didn't start playing the blame game. She didn't even start looking around for sympathy. What did she do? She immediately took action. She got busy doing what she could do. Oh, 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 there were a host of things that she could not do, but there was, there was something that she knew that she could do, and so she got busy doing what she could do. She picked up her dead son and she carried him to the room of the man of God. I think it's interesting where she chose to put her son. Notice she didn't take her son to his own room. That would be pretty logical. Notice she didn't take her son and put him in her room. No, 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 no. No, no, she took, she took and chose the room of Elisha the prophet, the man of God, and she took her son, her dead son, her lifeless son, her breathless son, she took him to the room of the man of God and laid him on the bed of the man of God. And the Bible says she requested a donkey and, and the help from one of her servants. You see, one of the keys to turning trials into triumph is retaining positive attitude. Choosing to praise rather than to pout. Choosing to do what you can rather than focusing upon the things that you can't. May I suggest to you this morning that a positive attitude fuels our faith. A negative one drains it. Notice the next thing that she did and that is she, she reached in the right direction. She reached in the right direction. Verse 25, so she departed and she went to the man of God. Verse 27, now when she came to the man of God, she caught him by the feet. Let's think a little bit this morning about who she didn't call. She didn't call the mortician. Her son it's dead. When somebody's dead, the right thing to do is call the undertaker. Now she didn't call somebody to bury her son. She looks for somebody to resurrect her son. You see, too often when things die in our life, we are too quick to call the undertaker to bury Whatever it was that died. And I don't want to just pump you up with false hope this morning. I'm, listen, I'm, I used to be a, thought I was an optimist. I'm not. I'm a realist. That's who I am. And so let me tell you as a realist that maybe we will have to bury our dead. But why not have faith to believe for a resurrection first? I'll never forget, I was about 
27, 8 years old. I was pastoring in West Texas. One of the men of our church, early 40s, dropped dead of a heart attack. They rushed him to a hospital. I get a call along with the family. I beat the family to the emergency room. They've already tried to revive him. Already pronounced him dead. Dead. I said, could I go into the room where he's at? They said, sure. I went into the room where he was at. I'm thinking about this situation. This man's in his early 40s. He's got a teenager at home. He's got a wife. I know he hasn't planned well for their, for him to die early and for them to live without him. I'm thinking, this guy don't need to die. He don't need to be dead. So I looked around. <laughs> I'm honest, I did. Hey, it's okay trying to raise the dead at the hospital. Just don't raise a, a, a ruckus while you're doing it, okay? And it's okay to get anointed at the hospital praying for people, but you can get anointed without getting loud, okay? If anybody ought to know that, I ought to know that. Okay? So, you know what? Just use wisdom and smartness, okay? Hello? I looked around. Wasn't nobody around. And so I, I tried to raise Wendell from the dead, man. I mean, you know... I named it, I claimed it, I, I confessed it, I, I did everything that, you know, uh, Tulsa tells you you're supposed to do, you know. He did. Say, Pastor, you, you're not much of a man of faith. Well, I got more faith than you. You wouldn't even tried. That's a joke. Come on, Hello? Hey, hey, maybe we will have to bury our dead, but why not have faith to believe for a resurrection first? Why not, why not have faith that God can resurrect that dead marriage or that lifeless relationship or, or that dying business or that breathless situation? Listen, 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 you, you might indeed, you might indeed have to bury it. It might be God's will for it to die. It might be its time, but it might just be a trial. And trials can be turned into triumph sometimes. It happened for the woman of Shunem. Because she retained a positive attitude, because she reached in the right direction, she didn't reach out to her friends for sympathy. She didn't try to build an army of sympathizers around her and attack the men of God. And she could have. Because what the man of God had brought to her was now suddenly taken from her. And she could have become angry and she could have become bitter towards the man of God. And she could have caused her friends and she could have caused her family to be bitter and angry and mad at the man of God. Be careful how you react and you're hurt. Because you'll probably in time get over it. But those that you infect may never get over it. She could have gotten on Facebook and really stirred something up. 
Somehow she knew that this was the wrong road to travel down. Somehow she knew that in order to turn her trial into triumph, she must reach in the right direction. And that's exactly what she did. And how about you this morning? Who are you reaching out to in the midst of your trial? Have you called in the mortician and the mourners? Ah, oh, have you raised the white flag of surrender? Have you started playing the blame game? Have you rallied your troops around you and called for sympathizers? Have you started pointing an accusing finger? Or are you reaching in the right direction? There are four women in our church right now that are going through a severe physical trial their lives. And may I say that I have been absolutely amazed. My wife and I have talked about it more times than I could count. We are so absolutely amazed and totally impressed with the way they are handling their situation. Now they are human. And so I'm sure that they have had their moments. But all four of them have reached in the right direction. And all four of them are turning their trial into triumph. Notice the next thing this woman from Shunem did. She rejected plan B. She rejected Plan B. Now, Elisha tries to appease her by turning her over to his associate and his staff. But the woman from Shunem is having absolutely no part of it. She came after the men of God, and she's not going to leave without the men of God. Elisha, I love your associate, but I didn't come for your associate. I came for you, buddy. Too often we are too quick to settle for plan B. Now, plan A will require more work. Plan A will require more endurance. Plan A will require more, more faith. And so, and so we settle for plan B. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you're beginning to consider settling for plan B. Oh, oh, my admonition and my encouragement to you today, don't do it. Oh, my admonition to you today is to keep on keeping on. Hold on to your faith and reject plan B and continue pressing on and pressing toward plan A. Hey, the woman from Shunem said in verse number 30, no way, Jose. As your soul lives, Elisha, I will not leave you. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I will not settle for plan B. And what happened, verse 30, he arose and followed her. Notice the last thing, and it's only a couple of minutes this morning, so hang with me. The last thing that happened, she received her miracle. Elisha returned to the house with her and raised her son from the dead. I don't know what has died in your life. 
Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a, a business. Maybe it's a ministry. I, I don't know. I don't know what has died in your life. I do know that God can resurrect anything from the dead. And I do know that God can turn trials into triumph. Your part is retain a positive attitude. Reach in the right direction and reject plan B. If you'll do your part, I'm persuaded that God will do his. Musicians and singers, get back in place very quickly, very quietly, please. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. God, I know in my heart, I know, I know in my spirit that this is a word for somebody and several somebodies here today. God, I pray that several somebodies will grab a hold of the Word this morning. God, that the Word of God will, will ignite faith in their heart and faith in their life. today. God, maybe there's somebody right on the brink of giving up and throwing in the towel, waving the white flag and throwing up their hands and giving up. God, I pray today through the power of your Word and the power of your Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you will breathe life, breathe life today into whatever it is that has died in the lives of your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone standing with me this morning. If you're here this morning and you're going through a trial, I don't have to name what that trial is. I don't have to name a bunch of difficulties. You know what your trial is. You, you know what your difficult situation is this morning. If you're going through a trial in your life today and you want to reach in the right direction today, you want to reach toward the Lord today, Ask him to help you turn your trial into triumph. If that's you this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want you to get out of your seat and come to the front. And as you do that this morning, you are reaching out in the right direction. Thank you. God bless you and you and you. Come on, keep coming. Keep coming. Come as close as you can so others will have room to get in. I'm going to call the whole church forward before we're finished this morning. Keep coming this morning. Keep coming this morning. Oh, oh, keep coming this morning. Turn it over to the Lord today. Turn it over to the Lord today. Reach out. The Bible says that this woman from Shunem, when she got to where the man of God was, that she fell at his feet, and she grabbed a hold of his feet and wouldn't let him go. That's what I want you to do today. I want you to wrap your, your arms around the feet of Jesus this morning and hold on to him this morning and don't let him go this morning until you know that you've touched him, until you know that he's gotten, he's, you've gotten his attention this morning. Hallelujah. People are still coming. They're still coming. Come on. Come quickly. Come quickly. The quicker you get down here, the quicker I can move on to something else.
Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Keep coming, come on, keep coming. Keep coming. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, as I as I walk across this platform this morning from my right to my left, and Lord, there's just a, this 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 front of this building is just filled this morning with people, Lord. I know that each one has a, are, are at a different level of their trial. Each one are at a different level in their desperation, God. Lord, I'm seeing someone right now that I know how desperate they are. Maybe there's some that just began the trial today. Maybe some have been in the trial for a while. And maybe some have been in a trial for a long time, God. Let this be the day. Let this be the day, Lord, when we begin the process of turning this trial into a triumph. I don't want to come off negative this morning, but I feel this in my spirit. So I have to say it, or I'm held accountable. First of all, let me tell you that you have my sympathy, you have my love, you have my compassion. So I'm not speaking out of, of someone who's calloused and doesn't care and doesn't, is not concerned, but I'm speaking because I feel that the Holy Spirit will have me say this. This trial is not all about you. Now, that's all you can focus on because you're the one hurting. You're the one in pain or you're the one that's, you know, been disillusioned or disappointed or whatever. So you're, you're making it all, not everybody, but somebody. You're making it all about you. It's not all about you, the Lord says. Remember the point? I said that, I think it's point one, God places people in our lives to bless us. Well, he puts us in people's lives too. And though you're hurting and though you're going through a trial, people are watching you. People are watching you. And how you handle your discouragement, your disillusionment, your hurt, your heartache, your pain, it's going to affect not just you, it's going to affect those that are looking at you. And so God says it's not just about you, but it's about you also being a godly example of a man or a woman of faith. Yeah, you can dance the dust off the floor like we say. in the good times. But what about the bad times? In the bad times, we complain about the dust that's on the floor. When we sing that song, I just think, well, somebody just sweep the floor. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm a realist, okay? Father, again, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each one here today, Lord. 
God, I don't want them to think that I don't love them, I don't have care for them, or don't have compassion for them. I don't want them to think that you don't love them or care for them or have compassion. But I also want them to know that it's not just about them and how they feel and, 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 and whether you do what they want you to do or not. God, it's also about it's also about being a godly example. It's also about shining the light even in the darkest hour of our life. Help us turn our trials into a triumph and help us God to have victory not not just after the storm but in the storm in Jesus name